0: Hello everyone, welcome back to the Functional Spirituality Podcast. Today I have Jared back here to record part two of our episode on the behind the scenes of our relationship. So we had a bunch of questions that we didn't get to answer last time, and like I said, most of the questions are for Jared, which are um, interesting, just to hear his side and his point of view as Most of the time on this podcast, you're just hearing me. So Jared and I are up in Broome right now, which is in the north of WA, where we live. And we're on this amazing, almost like an impromptu holiday. And I actually came up here last year by myself to Eco Beach, which is... Um, like a resort on a beach, a sustainable kind of resort. It's off-grid. And it's so nice to have Jared here this year. Actually, it's like the first holiday we've had together in a really long time. Um, For the past many, many years, um, I've spent a lot of time holidaying by myself, either because at the beginning of our relationship, we were doing long distance and we were living apart, um, But in more recent years, it's because Jared hasn't been able to or hasn't felt like he was able to get away from work. And it's been interesting kind of like living these separate lives. And on one hand, I have always known that I don't want to live a disconnected life from my partner. But at the same time, I sensed somehow or knew it was necessary to have the permission to be separate um, even though we were relating. But like we were saying in the last podcast, one of the hardest things for me in our relationship has been trying to navigate this very, very complex field without really knowing if we're doing the right thing. So it's obvious now looking back that It has been the right thing because we have both developed so much individually and now we're kind of like coming back together, but we've always been together. All of that um, has kind of lined up and made sense. And I always sense that actually we just need to, we got together really young and we actually need to just have permission to grow and develop and, and live almost like separate lives. So that's my little intro. Do you have anything you want to comment on about that, Jared?
1: No, I think you've uh, made good points. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Agree. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, we got a question in regards to the last episode because we're both speaking about the minimum effective dose and some of you didn't know what that meant. So do you want to explain what the minimum effective dose means, Jared?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, from my understanding and the way I use it in my life is that uh, you always use the least amount of effort, energy or resources required to achieve your desired result because anything more than that's a waste. So, for example, if you were to boil water, you wouldn't leave it on the stove, wasting gas until the water evaporated, unless that was your goal. But boiling water is boiling water. It's not More effort doesn't help. It just takes time and energy away from doing other things in your life, which also require a minimum effective dose to be fully catered to. So essentially, it's just not wasting energy, Mm. but figuring out what is the absolute requirement and giving that 100% of that, but no more.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. And we both, like we were saying in the last episode, we're very optimization focused. So... In all areas of our life, we kind of have that principle and philosophy. How can we (laughs) optimize this and how can we waste the least amount of energy? Let's go into some of the questions that we missed from the first episode. Okay, so one, it's for you, Jared. Mm. What was your first impression or thoughts when you met
1: Ava? (laughs) (laughs) We were just talking about this this morning.
0: We talk about this at least once a week.
1: So... I mean, as was explained in your podcast by yourself, your solo side, when I when we first met, her, it was at the yoga class, and I remember walking up from the back of the class to the front across the across the grass, and, I mean, there were thoughts that I had when I first seen you, and then there were thoughts that I had in, like, the initial interactions that we had and then tr- throughout the yoga class, so they were all different. Share them all. <laughs> uh, so the first ones that... When I seen you were that you were the most beautiful girl I've ever seen and that I needed to find a way to figure out your status and be close to you and <laughs> spend time with you and hopefully get you to notice me and like me. Plus some maybe some less P G rated things as well. <laughs> uh as <laughs> podcasters and podcast isn't PG. <laughs> yeah, but I don't need to go into it. And then um, probably when we first started talking, which was just the interaction with me borrowing the yoga mat of yours. I just thought you were very sweet and just deepening those feelings of how beautiful you appeared to be to me. And
0: it's funny because this this question says, what was your first impression? So that's always a funny part of the story. Remember what your first impression?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm getting there. I'm getting there. (laughs) And then throughout the class, my first kind of impressions that really landed were like, whoa, this girl is so sweet. (laughs) <laughs> she's she's never she's never done a swear word. she's never smoked a cigarette. she's probably never told a lie. <laughs> I'm a minor. <laughs> I've just come out of the mines with for five years with men and I'm a little bit rough around the edges.
0: I was a sweet angel.
1: Probably gonna have to change a few things to get this woman to uh, be in my groove or my myself being in hers so yeah apprehension maybe a little bit mm-hmm. but yeah
0: yeah yeah that's it. It's a good question because, yeah, Jared and I, we talk about it all the time. Can I say what you always say? Sure. Jared says the sweetest thing all the time, like at least once a week. He's like, I'll never forget.
1: I said it this morning, didn't (laughs) I?
0: (laughs) Oh, what he said this morning was the sweetest thing. But he always says, I'll never forget when I first saw you. So there's something that's like deeply... Well, it, in his was, it was
1: also like, you know, the, it was across the field, There was you were commanding a, a space, you were cascaded in filtered tree light yes, you know, in a beautiful summer day, you know. Yeah. It was also, you know, had the notion of me starting this new chapter and this totally. new, new lease on life and new beauty everywhere and holistic health mushrooms? and no, I wasn't. <laughs> I was, you know, yeah. transitioning through two worlds, I suppose. Mm. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Another one about Ava. What is Ava's best quality?
1: Hmm. Physical? <laughs> <laughs> uh, best quality. <laughs> Jeez, there's so many. I've never tried to reduce it to just one. Ah, got it. Best quality is that you are constantly sifting through all of your qualities and refining them so your best quality is probably that you you don't stop making all qualities that you have better
0: improving your qualities yeah 100%
1: yeah, yeah. 100% because to, to pick one quality would be I wouldn't do it I couldn't do it but there is the quality that pertains to all that makes the, all others so good which is that you are constantly refining and reducing distilling and getting rid of anything Mm -hmm. that doesn't work and making the things that you have sharper or more effective or more relatable or attainable or gentle Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) yeah that's um nice because yeah i think like my highest value is refinement so yeah if i think about it which i often do so that's nice that you use that same word okay this question is like a little bit of a funny one but coming back to about you being a dad but i actually think that it Is a good question. How old will Jasmine have to be before you let her have a boyfriend?
1: (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) Well, you're already trying to line her up with your friend's unborn children.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I want... uh, Yeah, no, Catherine's son is born and he's beautiful.
1: Born now, beautiful. And Um, they're
0: going to be perfect together.
1: And I'm already starting to feel that flicker of protection coming in. Which is joking (laughs) laughing conversations come up it's kind of it does strike a chord but um you want to
0: teach telly a lesson
1: (laughs) i suppose it's not really an age number but a level of um maturity and probably the qualities of that maturity at discernment i'd like her to be fully empowered and aware and able to make choices that she's fully conscious of and I know that that's always going to be an evolution but I mean you know we all had boyfriends and girlfriends when we were five and seven and twelve and they all meant different things and they were innocent but yeah I don't think it's really up to me to Mm. to make that choice but just to kind of observe from a distance and and make sure that I feel that everybody's being safe and being Mm. being respected and I think that's as mm-hmm. much as you can do as a father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really?
0: Yeah. I think the question is a joke. Um, well, then 50,
1: for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, Throw out all the stuff I just said and, <laughs> and 50 or never, whichever. That was first.
0: <laughs> or last, whatever. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the question's like a joke. But I think uh, what I liked that it could be pointing to, would because, you know, Yes, we want her to have discernment and stuff, but maybe something like how will you prepare Jasmine to have a boyfriend?
1: Mm, I think this is a good question. And it's something that I've been doing a lot of reflection mm. on over the last couple of weeks, um, having different conversations with different female figures in my life and, you know, speaking to family members about how they were modeled relationships to by our parents and getting it from the female point of view because I know how I was modeled it and, and the um, results of that in my life. And then probably just trying to embody the qualities that I would like to impress upon my daughter with, with you and, and other relationships that I have with women and, and then also trying to just be a little bit conscious of how much time she spends with people that mm-hmm. are not you and I that have particular relationships as well, like whether it's our, her grandparents, our parents, or her best friend's parents, or, you know, just trying to... Not that I would stop her from seeing her best friend because she I didn't agree with the values of her parents or his parents, but um. probably just wanting to have an understanding of what she might be seeing and witnessing and then having an arsenal of advice and to be mm. able to give to her if she has questions on how things are different from what she's seen in her primary caregiver's relationship, and just helping her navigate all of that, mm. really, based on what my highest values are for relationship and mm. making sure she has the best chance at not not having to work through too many traumas or little little bits that aren't necessarily serving us in our adult relationships Mm -hmm. that we pick up unconsciously through just being an unfiltered sponge as a child you know Mm.
0: yeah it's like that minimum effective dose principle kind of comes in as well it's like well there i think you said in the first episode we did together like you know there are better ways of doing things there there is going to be unnecessary imprints that I don't believe is, you know, like, Oh, everything is, you know, the universe is always just giving lessons. It's like, well, actually there's unnecessary imprints that, um, we don't need to kind of expose her to when she is that unfiltered sponge. And I, I think the modeling that you said is, is really the strongest thing that we can do because they're, you know, actions speak, um, stronger than words. They're seeing those loaded dynamics those emotional dynamics and that's how the subconscious mind learns is like through emotional and um, significantly felt experiences. So, yeah, us modeling that. And I think that's something that for me, there's not too many parenting thoughts that I've had, but one of them has definitely been like me wanting to cultivate excellent friends for her as part of my like holistic approach to parenting to actually just put her around other parents that I want modeling and living the education and the behaviors and the, Mm -hmm. um, everything that I want her to adopt.
1: I mean, that's, that's exactly how I feel as well. Do you find yourself taking stock of the people in your life? Like it feels like for me that Mm -hmm. I've put dad glasses on and Mm -hmm. I see my life as it is now and I'm like, is this exactly what I want for my child? Mm-hmm. You know, and even though all my friends and family are just so amazing, mm-hmm. there are like little qualities now that I'm picking up that I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. that's not useful. It's fine for me because I'm an adult with my awareness and I can filter those things out. You know, because I've already done that processing or, or that healing or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But to take them on onto a fresh mm-hmm. new baby with um, with you know open awareness and very mm-hmm. little filtration. It may not be
0: mm-hmm.
1: having the same effect. It might have a more potent effect. So, do you have that same experience where you're actually kind of looking at people in a different way through mum eyes?
0: Um, there is a there is a tiny bit of taking stock, um, but on the same in the same way for the same people in the same um, activity of taking stock. I just don't. I just don't know who is going to be around when she's born and like where we will be like, obviously we're going to live in our house for a little bit longer, but I just don't know what it's going to look like. And I think there's a little bit more role play and, and um, imagining what just so we can be more prepared, but right now, because I don't really feel prepared for what is going to happen after the birth, like who she's going to be around. I only know a few things about who's going to be around you know your mom maybe justin is living in the house and with all of those i'm you know hyper aware that i feel really good with all of that and i think i'll just have to see the next step before i put on that those glasses because you know even though we both like minimum effective dose i'm probably i tend to lean out more and you tend to lean in more to situations of risk you know like you will preemptively consider it and I'll wait for more information to present itself so that I'm not using any energy before the time is right. Um, And neither one of those approaches is a better way because sometimes you save more energy in the long term by putting up more energy up front and, and stuff like that. So yeah, I haven't, I haven't been taking too much stock and unless it's something that i absolutely know is going to be the case like it's still such a especially for me not having considered myself as a parent for maybe 31 years of my life and only really considered myself to be maybe a a mom in the last couple of years yeah i'm just a little bit more leaned out of that process mhm okay what is it like living with ava I think actually the question said, What is it like living with the fabulous Ava? But
1: I feel like yeah. This is a trick question. No,
0: a lot of them sound like it, don't they? <laughs> did you, did you I write didn't that one them. in? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, what is it like living with Ava? Mm. I mean, it's so many things, right? Like, it's very fun. We, we are very stupid <laughs> together. Like, we, we've rapped about three times together this morning, like little we'll impromptu. We even recorded one. Ra- we recorded our first rap this morning, <laughs> so that was nice. But also it's you know not just fun but it's also serious and we and we get down and do some serious work in terms of you know, we rub up against each other and we, we get triggered and we come away and we come back and we process our stuff and we come back and we talk through it and you know sometimes it can be done there and then and sometimes it's more of a drawn out thing that's a needs a couple of different attempts at making it a resolved situation. So it's, it's a constant state of evolution, for sure. But I think that's the same as if any partners were to live together that are trying to create a better experience for one another and themselves. Um, so it's fun. It's filled with joy. It can be challenging. It is... Why is it, it challenging? Al- it always smells nice.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, you why is, it, why is it challenging? I think I uh, alluded to this in the first podcast where it's just that you're not living by your own set of standards or your own set of rules which Mm. you've been habitually keeping for years without changing them and it's you know you you're you're learning things about yourself and we're just constantly moving and upgrading together so it's it transgresses the masculine paradigm or at least my paradigm of like wanting to get to an end point of a job and it being done but rather like you know relaxing into the fact that it's an evolution that never stops so yeah it's yeah mm. continuously it's just work it's just always work yeah which is fine yeah but it's something you have to change your mind around where mm-hmm. it's you know i work to get a job done rather than working for a continuation of work.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that you said that, you know, we're continuously upgrading together because that's what we both want. And that's what I've always wanted. And I think for a lot of women, that's what we want to feel in partnership is that we are, you know, collaborating together. We're very collaboration focused. And I think for us, for the past many years, it's been a bit more masculine in our relationship where we were both individually developing ourselves and focusing on our individual interests and, you know, individual needs and focuses and passions and challenges. And I've always wanted to be in collaboration. I'm just naturally like that. And now we're we're in a family now. Our attention has shifted back to being in collaboration and it makes the challenges all the more easier when you know for sure you're in collaboration. And we've had like a couple of times, I mean, We've only been parents for like the past six weeks, but we've had a couple of times come up where we're thinking about parenting or we're thinking about, you know, what's going to happen next year? Like I had a, a retreat booked in India and then, you know, we had different ideas, at least on the surface about if, if we should go or if I should go to India with a newborn. And, um, you know, so there's been a couple of things where we have disagreed on what we want for our baby. But that has actually, you know, it, like you're saying, we kind of rub up against each other a little bit. And then sometimes it takes a little while and goes away. But when we were last having our, um, like the last little disagreement that we had, I kind of had this little inspiration that actually, this is so amazing when we can disagree about our values as a parents, because it requires both of us to be more reflective and more intentional about what it is that we want and why we're willing to put our foot down and why we're feeling like we have a side about it instead of all the times, which is like 80, 90% of the time, you know, Jared has a thought about parenting and I'm like, yep, 100% agree. And then we're just We're just in each other's biases and we're just in each other's habits condoning them without any further reflection. So although it's really challenging when we rub up against each other, it has felt really bad (laughs) in the past. I kind of got this little um, feeling like what a grace it is to and how, how it's actually a really positive thing to be able to rub up against each other. And then also to have the capacity to reflect and then also have this partnership.
1: Mm, I, I really enjoyed when you shared that insight as well.
0: And okay, the last question is, what is the biggest gift you have received from your relationship with Ava?
1: <laughs> um, I think in all previous relationships that I've had, I always felt like I knew more or Uh, Every woman I was with, or even girl when I was younger, there there was this sense of I was waiting for them to meet me and always having this yearning for deeper conversation, deeper ideas of the world, deeper understandings of self and the universe and evolution and consciousness and all these things that I hold close to my heart as a value set And I, yeah, I, I said in, in my previous relationship before meeting you that I would, I would not be in a relationship unless the woman would bring me up to level, um, as much as I did her or more. You know, I was looking for somebody who had that depth of thinking and that self inquiry as a default. And not just accepting the world as it is, but actually going through and making sense of it and getting rid of the pieces that were not useful and distilling down a a value set that we want to live by. So yeah, that's probably the the biggest gift is actually finding somebody who holds those same values and, and has made a life out of it and is willing to share it with me.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. Makes me feel very useful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, well, that is all of our questions. Anything else you want to share? Yeah, there was
1: something that I wanted to talk on, which you mentioned briefly that in just previously that this idea of. making mistakes with our parenting or something and and then the the general notion of it's okay because it's giving our children gifts and challenges to work through and all this stuff which is i think something that you and i are kind of in agreement with which is a bit of, that that is a bit of an old paradigm and it's one that has has kind of plagued evolution for for generations and i think that Every generation and, and most pivotal in probably our parents and our generation, we are making a, a pretty hefty stance in changing that paradigm. And I just I just firmly don't believe that that is the way forward anymore. I think that the, the joys of life don't have to come from you moving through massive or subtle traumas. And becoming a better person from it but i think actually of the new paradigm is that you can just have less and less of them as time goes on as 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 generations go on and that to some point i hope we get to is that we are so connected and we are so attuned that we aren't creating and perpetuating the cycle of trauma and release that we actually just come into a experience of joy and attunement and abundance and love and trust rather than fear and disconnect that has kind of like brought humanities to where we are now and I just hope that I can be a huge part of that shift with mm-hmm. you in the parenting of our child and and then hopefully many can also continue that and at some point we just become released from this cycle. Mm -hmm. So that's my belief. And that's, Mm -hmm. and even if it's incorrect, it still feels good to work towards it, you know, Mm -hmm. less and less traumas.
0: Yeah. I think, um, I mean, everyone knows that we grow from challenge and that stress is good, um, but there's a difference between challenge and dysfunction. Mm. I think, you know, there's, like you said, there's these ideas that, you know, everything is okay but actually dysfunction n- not everything is okay everything is okay in relation to you know whatever outcome and goal and values like there there things are not okay. you know there is a not okay um, approach um at least theoretically and then oftentimes in practice that if you want a certain outcome you shouldn't do something that produces you know the opposite results and i think for so long the old school philosophy was like you can be a bad parent and then the new age philosophy has been like no no one's a bad parent every single thing is divine destiny and you know these kinds of philosophies are are just keeping people on the surface you know really everyone just needs to be a little bit more self-aware and um consider the implications of what our actions are, but that was not possible in the past. Like now we have more information about neurology and development and relationship dynamics. And now we can actually, we're putting our attention on that where maybe previously the goals of society were more about like food production and war or like, you know, mm. whatever other more survival
1: and and maybe more gross traumas as well you know like where the Mm. the the child might have seen the mother being beaten by the father and creating a really deep trauma but i think also having the like you know i think that's where our parents were pivotal in in moving away from that and i'm not Mm -hmm. saying that's fully that aggressive or um, trauma style isn't still prevalent but there was a huge shift in the last couple of generations i feel from that bad parent good parent Mm. Dynamic, but I think also just putting attention on subtle traumas as well—the ones that you don't know that you have, where it's you know you might have just small things Mm -hmm. uh, that 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 are small
0: acts of of neglect, and yeah, that
1: might become a part of your operating system. But because they weren't deep or overt traumas, you might not be inclined Mm. to. Uh, to investigate them when you're older when you mm-hmm. have a bit more of a self-reflective awareness so they might actually take longer so mm-hmm. I think my job yep. as a parent and your job as a parent is to broaden our understanding of what developmental trauma is and how subtle it can be because I think we're pretty good with our our gross traumas yeah we're not actions. beating each other yeah in front we're not of... doing things like that but you know, the while that makes us good parents and good people in Mm. one set of kind Mm -hmm. of ideas, we have a a newer, more subtle set where it's like, we need to be aware of all these other nuanced parts of relating to a child that creates its substructure or framework Mm -hmm. for relationship and to the world when when they get older, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's just the last piece I wanted to add.
0: Great. So guess this is us just wetting our whistle about, uh, you know, and getting on the podcast together, um, answering some questions. I hope you have found that this is cute and got a little bit of a behind the scenes of our relationship, but I would really love to have Jared on to talk more about like the deeper processes that we go through because we go through some very, very deep processes and have you know, very um, life-changing and behavior-shifting insights and experiences. So I would love to have Jared back just to talk on different topics that we discuss in our alone time. So now that we know how to use the microphone for two people, we're ready to have Jared back on the show a little bit more often, maybe once a month as a little special (laughs) guest how do you feel about that your eyes just popped (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: well my reactive brain said i won't have time but then i realized that i'm actually gonna have way more time than i've ever had before so yeah it'll be easy
0: yes my love all right thank you so much for listening look forward to hearing your feedback on the episode and i'll be back with you in the next 10 days with another episode on the show have a great week bye thank you for tuning in to the functional spirituality podcast If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe by pressing the plus button on iTunes or the following button on Spotify. This is going to ensure that this resource is available and top of mind when you most need it. So please subscribe now.